You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Bar and Kevin Gisheski. Each week, we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. And more weeks than not, we're joined by special guests to add additional perspective to our topics. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found on virtually any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Good evening, and welcome to the Bob and Kevin Show. Tonight, Bob and Kevin are going to go off script a little bit and talk about college and college choices. So we're going to cover everything from is college the thing to do or not, what your options are, some pricing strategies, pricing in general, and uh, our experiences as parents with children attending college and children getting ready to attend college. So no tech tonight. Just a fireside chat. I've got the fire in the background. (laughs) Very nice, Bob. But is it keeping you warm? That's the question I have for you. Always. Toasty. You're wearing a sweatshirt. I totally don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, tonight we're talking colleges. And you want to give a little more context? Uh, What about colleges are we talking about well, I think we're talking about the financial implications, but also uh, some societal implications as well. You know, I think one of the things that we talk about is, you know, is college the choice that everyone should be making? And if they don't want to make that college choice, what options do they have? So I'm Bob, just kind of ready to roll. Bob, did you go to college? I did. I attended uh, Ball State University. have a four-year degree that took me, I think, four and a half. I think I did end up getting out under five. And uh, degrees in journalism. How about you? Um, well, before we talk to me, can you give people an idea where Ball State University is? I know where it's at. but Ball State University is located 45 miles northeast of Indianapolis, <laughs> Indiana, in the beautiful uh, off-downtown area of Muncie. All right. So to answer your question, I went to two colleges, and I got a degree from each one. Uh, My first degree is an associate's degree from Purdue University, also located in Indiana, but the West Central, actually closer to you. And I have a second degree, a four-year degree from Western Governors University, which is an online university, which sounds dirty just saying, but... does not, man. It's just one of the (laughs) options that uh, kids have these days, kids and adults. Yes. I mean, if you can get away without having to do room and board, which is one of the things we're probably going to touch on. Uh, so did you go, were you on campus at Purdue for your associates? I was not, in fact. Um, so Purdue and Indiana University kind of have satellite campuses all over the state. I went to... Pooey Pooey. They have one that's combined even. Yes. Um, so I went to the combined Indiana-Purdue University of Fort Wayne. So... That's where I got my two-year degree, and it only took me a short five years to do so. <laughs> Ooey pooey FW, nice. So it, it's called IPFW uh, here, but um, the Hubbalub is, I believe, they're either going to call it just Fort Wayne University soon, or they're going to tell Indiana University to pound sand and go somewhere else, and it's just going to be Purdue-Fort Wayne. So, Ooh. yeah. All right, so here's the uh, million-dollar question. Uh, how did you pay for said colleges? So uh, the old mom and pop helped me for the first two years of my five-year stint getting a 
two-year degree. <laughs> and the remaining three years, Kevin decided, uh, Kevin, as I refer to myself in the third person, um, decided to take three years to finish uh, because I decided to get married very young, uh, have children even way younger, and balance um, paying the electric bill, food on the table, and all that, while still going to college. So uh, my weapon of choice was a credit card during those years. And so that's how you financed college was on credit? Uh, the second half, yes, it was uh, via credit card. Uh, I am happy to say that I have zero student debt. Are, are those credit cards all paid off? Yes. Okay, then you do actually sit at zero student debt. I paid that off a decade ago. I mean, I, I've had zero college debt. All right, so you paid it off a decade ago, but that means you carried it around how long after graduation? Well, only about two or three years. Um, oh, well, that's actually excellent. IPFW is very very affordable I, so first off um because it's the local i can't call it a community college but i guess it kind of is i didn't stay on campus so i didn't have room and board i just had tuition and i think it averages like eight thousand a year to go there it's pretty pretty reasonable averaged eight thousand a year when you were there for full time so the three years that i was going there i did not go full time so one of the trade-offs was i had to go down to like couple of classes a semester and truth be told towards the end I was doing really crappy in chemistry and physics which I needed two sciences to graduate I I just didn't have the time to put in for either one of those so I switched over to botany and zoology I showed up for for the first day of each class got the syllabus figured out when the tests were I showed up for the tests and that's all I did and you still passed I got C's in both classes <laughs> um, there was uh, one complication. Zoology did have a lab, so I did have to go. The labs were required, so I had to cut apart animals. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I hacked the system there. Um, uh, I will let you know that all the uh, knowledge I did gain from botany and zoology was absolutely um, not needed in my current. Well, let's put a pin in that, and we will come back to that. <laughs> okay. Uh I should take this opportunity to thank my parents for helping fund a large majority of my education. I was, I arrived at Ball State University with a educational scholarship, uh, the Indiana State Scholarship. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, presidential Scholarship, I believe it was. And so I was paying a whopping $256 a semester my first few semesters at Ball State because my scholarship covered everything but books. Not room and board. I lived off campus. I uh, lived at home. Uh, but of course, uh, I started to enjoy college and my grades did not maintain. So I lost that lovely scholarship a few semesters in and my parents were cool enough to make up the difference. Um, I did work to cover my expenses pretty much all through school. But uh, also factor in that I think it was a whopping $3,600 a semester without the scholarship. So... Times have changed. <laughs> so I, I just realized I only gave you half the story. So you asked me how I paid for college. So my first degree uh, from Purdue was just as I described. My second degree, my four-year bachelor's, came from Western Governors University. And believe it or not, my first degree, I graduated in 2001. My second degree, I graduated in 2013. 
a little bit of a gap there. Um, a little bit. And uh, the second degree that I had or have um, was paid for by Uncle Sam. And as some people know, I was in the military for six years active duty. And one of the best benefits that are offered to military folks is free school. Basically, so, is that the GI Bill? That is the GI Bill. And it, it got changed thanks to Senator John McCain. Um, it, we got something called the uh, 9-11 uh, GI Bill, which totally changed how it works. So back in the day, it used to be the Montgomery GI Bill. And then for my era of uh, soldiers, we got the, the GI Bill for the, it's the post 9-11 or whatever it's called. And I paid zero dollars um, to uh, to Western governors. The government paid it all. I didn't have to front any money. In fact, the government also gave a stipend to me. So they basically paid me to go to school. Um, so Good for you, man. You, you get, earned it. You get a living expense. So um, I'm a huge advocate of combining college and military, not because, you know, I realize that there's a stigma with military that people um, like are totally against. And I get that. But I uh, didn't exactly go off killing people. I basically worked on computers for six years and got a free education when, out of it. When you enlisted, we were in peacetime, right? No. I. Oh, you enlisted when we were not in peacetime. Who? I enlisted in 2004. We That's were, awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, not to segue too far, 2004 to 2010 was when I was uh, global war and terror type stuff. Middle East, a few times. Uh, yeah, definitely at war. <laughs> in fact, I was a little like, in 2004, it was right around the mission accomplished thing. And I was like, oh, man, the war is going to be over. And I just signed up. I know it sounds terrible, but, you know, you kind of kind of want to at least go see the world. <laughs> you know? But you still advocate for that as a way for kids today to, you know, offset college costs. Yeah. So there's two ways to hack the American government for education, um, or at least through the military. Number one is enlist and you get GI Bill. Um, and then the second, or there's three ways. The second way is also enlist. And if you already have a mountain of debt, they'll pay it back for you. So let's say you went to big school and, uh, you're like, I'm in debt to my eyeballs. Now, what am I going to do? The military will pay it back for you. So you have degree in hand, you enlist after the fact and yeah. they will reimburse your, yeah, so oh, that's a pretty sweet deal. So, so here's the deal. Here's a, there's a trade-off. It's, it's like signing a deal with the devil a little Always. bit. And uh, I, I had several friends with me. So you cannot be an officer in the military unless you have a four-year degree. So when I joined, I had a two-year. I didn't have the choice to become an officer. Boy, I wish I could have been. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but if you have a four-year degree and a mountain of debt, um, you can become an officer and they won't pay anything back. Or you can decide to take the blue pill instead of the red pill and uh, you can become enlisted and then they'll pay it back. So only enlisted members get it reimbursed. Correct. Now, of course, I was never an officer. There could be some benefit that I'm unaware of on that side. However, the, the last way to, to do this is ROTC, which is Reserve Officer Training Corps. So basically, it's I just graduated high school. I'm going to go to my school of choice. Let's say Notre Dame, very expensive. I got accepted there, but I have no idea how to pay for it. Well, join the military and uh, for a paid 
four-year degree, you now owe like four years to the American military as an officer. So you get to become an officer from day one. You don't have to worry about your education costs, but you do owe four years of public service in the military. So that is... After that. graduation. After graduation, correct. So you're doing your ROTC training while you're in school, and then you graduate and you become an officer Upon graduation. services. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, dang it. Now there's another way. Uh, you can also, if you know a senator... Um, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. If you know a senator, you can ask them to give you a referral to a service academy. West Point, Air Force Academy, Annapolis, uh, etc. However, I again, I don't have any senator um, friends hanging out next door to me. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things you need. I think you have to have one of your senators um, give you that referral. Anyway, I, I don't know much about that. Definitely don't have those kind of connections. But anyway, that's what I can tell you about the military and college. All right, so let's fast forward to students today. So I have... My son is a junior in college, so he's been going for three years. And he actually attends a private school. And he, uh, so before he went to school, when he was a junior and senior, when he was exploring school options, we looked at all the pricing. And I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is pricing. And I think a lot of people want to think that their in-state institutions offer the most affordable uh, options for college. And our experience was that that is not necessarily true. Okay. Um, can you, can you give me insight? Because I have one that's a junior in high school right now. He's going to be looking. Um, yes. So give, give me some info, some insider stuff, Bob. So when we were young, our, you know, when Joshua was trying to find schools, we looked at those state schools that were close for a couple of reasons, you know, maybe we could save money on room and board and, you know, maybe the tuition would be cheaper. And so you go and you look at the price and you're like, all right, on the surface, we have a state school that's less than 20 miles away. And it was uh, $28,000 for four years of college. Oh, for four years. Wait, no, no. Per year. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 28 per year. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and that included, that did include room and board. Okay. So it was 28 per year. And Joshua was really bright and they offered him a scholarship that basically over the course of four years was going to give him one year free. So um, still was going to be walking out of there with 75 grand plus worth of debt. So then flip to the other side of the coin and you're looking at a private university, which is also about 20 ish miles away from our home. And it is a small school, but it's a private university. And tuition there is 42 a year. Wow. However, <laughs> however, uh -oh. his educational scholarship right out the gate was a 50% reduction in tuition. So all of a sudden, the tuition for that private university was exactly on par almost apples to apples with the state institution. So where are you going to get this voucher or how much I get a Groupon for lack of a better term? <laughs> well, when you apply for colleges, you, you, you know, you send her along your transcripts and all universities have their base scholarships that you really don't just by applying to the university, you're in the system for applying for those scholarships. There's a handful of students. Well, more than a handful, um, especially in the private universities 
that qualify for these different levels of scholarships. And they're really just designed to make that private education more on par with the public schools, the public colleges, because they know it's a competition. So when you're looking at a private school and you're going, holy cow. And here's another thing that I, to keep in mind, I would say that based on my experience, there's a very small range of people who pay sticker price to go to college because of the, the vast variety of scholarships and grants that are available. Right. And then really for the most part what those scholarships don't make up for financial aid almost fills the, the rest of the entire gap. Right. It isn't the financial aid though, based on like your household income. So it's almost like a damned if you do damned, if you don't, the more you make, the less you get scholarship wise. Yeah. So, well, that doesn't really determine your scholarship, but it definitely determines your financial aid, right. but it mostly is, it boils down to the type of financial aid that you're available for. Um, there's financial aid that uh, doesn't accumulate interest until post-graduation. And then there's financial aid that starts generating interest right away. Um, I can't remember the exact terms for it, but uh, there's two different types. And so Joshua basically gets on top of his scholarship, I think he gets like $10,000 a year or $11,000 a year total in financial aid. So then he has, you know, a gap. Yeah. But he took a job as an RA and the RA actually covers your room and board. So he has a job. Yes. So he has a job. He's a residence hall advisor. Um, It's kind of a 24 seven gig, but I mean, he does have some leeway, but that closes the gap substantially. So he gets paid, you know, covers room and board. And I think that's like 10 ish a year. So he's left at about 5,500 a semester that he has to cover. Okay. So that starts to bring it much more into picture. You know, everybody's going to, you know, take a different approach to the working and stuff, but think about that. That's a private school education at 42 to 48 a semester, a year, sorry, a year. No, that's a semester. So what about, so like my wife, when I met her, she was in school to be early education, you know, elementary. Early childhood. Yep. And like the state of Indiana pays like nothing to these people who, who want to raise our children in, or teach our children in school. Um, and like, I think like the base income, that year when she was, this was a decade ago, was like $35,000. Congratulations. Here's a hundred thousand dollars in debt. So you can go out and make 35,000. So have you learned anything about major selection versus some sort of correlation between, well, you need to be looking at the major, not necessarily because you want to be that because that one will pay you more in the future. So, couple different schools of thought on that. Um, (laughs) So let's, to be a teacher, you kind of have to have that education degree or that education certificate. I don't know much about getting that certificate after you graduate, but it kind of makes sense. If you want to be a teacher, you probably should go to school to be a teacher. It's just probably the path of least resistance. Now, does it pay a ton when you get out? Not when you get out, but it does actually, I do believe that, correct district selection, blah, blah, blah. You can't actually earn a decent living being an educator. That's what I've learned. I've learned that our neighbor states pay way more than our home state. So, you know, even if you go to school here, you're going to be like, hey, well, I would like to live here, but I can't. <laughs> so. I don't, but I don't also don't know any teachers who only work the hours that people think they do. Like they work around the clock. It's insane. Yeah. But there are programs 
that will, for, much like the military programs or similar, not much like, that will forgive student debt for teaching in underserved communities. So if you elect to teach in an underserved community, there are programs that will forgive your educational debt. Okay. So, so that's an approach as well, because Josh was an education major for a while. So rewinding just a little bit to the financial aid. Sure. I, I remember this. It's the FAFSA. FAFSA I can't even say yeah, it now. I don't I still say, can't say it because <laughs> I get yelled at every time I say it. Um, <laughs> have you seen any sort of, is, is this like a, a race condition? Like as soon as you can fill us out, fill it out. Or is there, you know, can you tell me a little bit about this? So we were warned along those lines as Joshua was approaching that age that you really needed to be close to the front of the line. But in true Beatty Bar family fashion, we just didn't really push that ball as fast as we needed to. And that had no impact on his financial aid. All so right. you don't have to be in the front of the line. I will turn it in late. <laughs> uh, what about... Um scholarships that are you said you, you know just applying you kind of in the running but what about have you ever had to chase any scholarships uh that are outside the beaten path and have you had any success or your kids that is uh so uh i'm gonna make some broad sweeping generalizations about my children here uh i have three children who are all vastly different human beings but uh I have two male children and a female child and my male children don't really have the uh, get up and go that my youngest daughter does. So Josh didn't really chase scholarships like we wanted him to. Uh, Owen started to and uh, didn't really, I mean, he chased it hard, but didn't really get much results on the scholarships that were outside of the just signing up to go to the colleges. Uh, my daughter has been watching those two situations unfold and I'm sure she's learning from those situations and she will, you know, she's been already combing over and finding out what kind of opportunities there are. Uh, there's tons of scholarships out there, but man, it's such a competitive gig because guess what? College is so damn expensive. And there's a lot of rules because I actually tried to apply for several and there's a lot of demographic. I didn't realize how demographic oriented they are. I mean, there's some that are only for uh, certain genders, certain races, certain... Yeah, the organizations uh, that offer the scholarships, they can totally establish those rules. And so, yeah, so not only do you have to weed through the ones that you're even eligible for, but, you know, then you have to, you know, determine, is it worth the $500 scholarship to write the essay? Right. You know, some of them are low-hanging fruit where you just answer questions, but then it's really like a lottery. And yeah. Beatty Bars don't win lotteries, so... <laughs> Um, any sports, uh, success stories in the family, like any sports scholarships, like not for, not for school. anyone good at darts and there's in that college happens to be like a, you know, a dart league or something. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that though, because Owen, uh, my middle son, he came up with a scheme as he was approaching the idea of going to college that if he wanted to get, uh, some extra financial support, he, all he needed to do was find a D2 school where he could match the high jump or pole vault. So he was researching what the D2 like pole vault records or triple jump records were at these various schools. And he was going to see if he could walk on and get a scholarship. All right. And that was pipe dream because that didn't pan out at all. All right. So now for something 
a little different. Completely different? Nah, in the same vein. So we've talked about private schools. We've talked about public schools. What we, uh, I guess we haven't really informed our international crowd, uh, all two of you, both of you, um, you know, <laughs> school or education, secondary or post-secondary education is not free here in America. You know, it's, it's a investment uh, and it's a decision that you have to make and and where you have a lot of countries it's oh yeah it's, you want to go it's free or whatever so it's not free here and that that financial burden falls on the student and or the parents and um, that's up to the student and the parent on how that works out um, so we've talked about private we talked uh public state and before we I go to my actual real topic real quick state tuition in state versus out of state do you know why that is? I know it seems like an obvious question. Is it because the states are supplementing the state colleges? Is that why they're giving a discount, so to speak? I, I, I feel like that might be more about economic development than anything else, but it could be along those lines of the funding. I guess, you know, if I'm paying taxes in that state and part of my taxes are going to fund those state universities, I shouldn't have to pay an extra whammy so people who are out of state and not paying into that tax base, I'm sure that's why it's why it's like that. But the weird thing is, is there's tons of reciprocal agreements throughout the states. So like there's some, like uh, I think Illinois and Iowa have a reciprocal agreement and it might be on a state college to state college level as well. Because I know that some states when they're trying to recruit, I think uh, Missouri actually has this as well with Illinois. So there's some schools in Missouri that you can attend and pay in-state tuition, even if you're from Illinois. So we've we talked public schools, private schools, and I think um, we understand what that is. And what's interesting is, you know, implicitly those are all not for profit. You know, people aren't trying to make a profit on somebody's education. So let me offer Full Sail University, which is kind of the poster child of a for-profit private university, and they make no bones about it. They are. Um, looking to make money. I think the uh, average tuition is in the 20,000, 25,000 per year range. And that does not include room and board. So this is definitely pricey. However, what they, the, the promise here, and I think um, Mitt Romney used Full Sail as a, see, see, look, this is how, you know, we can keep education prices down. I don't know how 20, mid 20,000 per year is keeping it down, but I that's don't. That's how ridiculous it's getting. I, I don't want to, <laughs> I, I don't know how the numbers work. That's that's why we're doing this talk here. But anyway, Full Sail University is um, kind of an interesting thing and i had never heard of full sale university until um the guy who runs this uh ryan Connolly, who does film riot i'm kind of big into his work here he talks about full sale university all the time and if he would have just came to me and said full-time or uh, a, a private for-profit university i would have just scoffed at you at first i still scoff at it but i i would have scoffed at you more had I not actually saw somebody who go there and speak positively about it. So it's expensive, but the promise here is this is using state of the art, you know, stuff, because what's one problem that I really hate about educa higher education is they're teaching a 10 years ago curriculum They're in my opinion. So you go to a university right now, you, you, you don't, the textbooks don't have today's 
learning. It has yesteryears learning in it. And so the promise of these newer universities or these for-profit ones is, no, you're, you're going to be working with industry professionals. We're going to bring them here. You're paying for it. And it's going to be up to date. And But anyway. so are those supplemented by like independent business ventures? So like if I'm a bright shining tech company and I want to have almost like an incubator for future employees, do I dole out cash to incentivize students via scholarships here or do I, you know, pay for the tech lab that's on campus because I want my best and brightest coming from there? Um, I don't know the answer to your question, but I wouldn't have any problem if... No, it seems like a very viable solution to me. If, I mean, if we could invent the Bob and Kevin University, we were for profits um, and we had Microsoft um, stop by and they, they brought the checkbook and they said, hey, we would like you to teach not just what web forms are from five years ago, because that's what's possibly in the curriculum right now, like um, not even kidding. Um, we would rather you teach Azure you know, today's technology, you know, stuff like that. And here's a check to make sure that you have the staffing and the resources to do that. I would say, thank you, Microsoft. I would love your money. Where would you like your logo and how big would it, would you like it to be? Right. You can <laughs> Microsoft university if you want. Yeah. So, um, just inventing things here. So I wouldn't have a problem with that. So but I wonder if that is part of their model. I mean, I guess we'd have to research it a little more because I've, this is the first time I've, well, actually second time I've heard of Full Sail, but they are both from you, so. Okay, so um, I, because I looked into this for, for my teenager who's in the, who's in the, he makes great videos. He, he's a, he's a communicator. He makes videos. Um, he's into marketing. This would totally be up his alley. They do, uh, they do music, games, art, blah, blah, blah. Uh, All right, so, so here's the segue then, because I know we wanted to cover this too. What makes you think that that university is going to benefit Grant, because I feel like he's so ahead of the curve already. So uh, the word that I've been overusing, and I'm going to use it again, is value proposition. Um, what is the value proposition? So that is a great question because I look at twenty-five thousand a year. And by the way, they have an accelerated program, so you're only there like two years. So it's like a fifty thousand dollars. So, it, but you have to find your own place to live. It's, this is uh, North Orlando, essentially. It's right. Winter and it's Park, still Florida. expense. Right. It's definitely going to cost money. Um, and then, um, you know, just, yeah. So um, it's a value proposition. And it's ultimately it's up to Grant because at the end of the day, I'm not, I don't have a check to write for, here's 25000 this year. Ha, there you go. Ha, don't spend it all in one place. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, wait, you will. <laughs> you know, so... Um, it's, it's really up to because he's a part of this agreement. So if he doesn't find value in it, then I don't care how cool it is. You know, I, I was actually looking to go to school in Canada when I was a youngster and didn't have any, any ties to children or anything, you know, this is early, early on. And I, and it was, I think it was called DigiPen or it might've even been Washington state. It, no way. It was far from Indiana and it was to make video games and it sounded so cool, but the, just the, the, the money was just like ridiculous for somebody like me. So it was just like, it was a dream and that's all it was. So if Grant would want to go here, he would have to say, yeah, it's worth 50 K or plus room and board to do so. And that's really on him. And I got to try to help him because he's 17 years old and can't really probably fathom how much $50,000 really is. 
So that's a great question, and I have not answered that because I can contrast that against the local college, Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Here, it's eight thousand a year times four. That's thirty-two grand, and he can live at home with mom. You know, so, um, so savings of eighteen grand. If it were me, uh, well, it's more of eighteen grand because you got to add tuition. If I had to, if I had to do it over again. I would still not have all the answers. <laughs> I would still be like, you know, I've made it this far and I still don't know. Yeah. I mean, how many times has your, how many times has your college education been verified by an employer? Uh, well, I wouldn't lie. So, so, Ooh, okay. no, 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 no. I'm not saying that like you would, I'm not suggesting someone would, would say they had a degree and they didn't, but the point I'm trying to illustrate is like, I, I don't think mine has been verified. Like what, and mine's in journalism. What the hell do I use mine for? Uh, journalism. Wow. Uh, where's our subscribers? Way too few subscribers. Hashtag. Okay. So um, a lot to think about there. So uh, for me, a college degree kind of proves one thing and one thing only. It proves you can be trained and stick with something. That's, or I guess those two things. So there's, <laughs> there's that. One and one thing only. <laughs> two things. It's like it's like Furbies or uh, Gremlins. You get them wet and blood. <laughs> okay, I quickly multiplied. All right. Uh, so that so I can tell you in my trade in our trade, the college degree really didn't do shit for me, other than allow some old arcane HR department allow me to get through from one pile to the other pile. That's honestly. I am not kidding you what I perceive my X number thousand of dollars. That's all I see it right now. Right. I didn't go away in the resume phase. Right. I didn't go away to a different college somewhere else. I have one from an online. So I didn't make this like roommate connection. Now we're going to make Facebook or anything like this. You know, none of that's going to happen to me. Those are also uh, survival stories. Those aren't like, all you got to do is go to college and you'll be the next Facebook because you had some wazoo roommate. Not going to happen. Sorry. Um, so uh, I learned most of my trade on the job. School of Hard Knocks taught me more than any university ever has or ever will. Now, well, and I think for most most professional fields, that's going to be the case. Unless you're going to be a doctor you're probably going to learn your chops before you're practicing so i would say it's industry specific now here here's another contrast remember i said an online degree and a on-campus degree the on-campus degree is exactly what you think it is show up write some papers go party <laughs> that's exactly what it is my online <laughs> one was totally different there were no we didn't have grades which may sound like totally weird what <laughs> you didn't have grades and you have a degree so um you had a class and every class had a certification and it was proctored. So I have an A plus, a net, uh, a net plus, a security plus. Oh, but so you have professional certifications. Though. I have so about 30 upgrade. certifications. Bob, I have a Java certification from Sun Microsystems that I will never in my life ever use, but I had to get one to pass a class. And you, and you know what? If you already know what you think you know because you're – 30 something and you've you know learned a lot of this stuff you can fill in the gaps real quick and go just test out and by golly i i took i tested out of like three classes in one day i just said well, i'll yeah, take so this this and this and that I'm would definitely done. be a benefit of being a non-traditional student because you do have some of that school of hard knocks training already underneath your belt now here's the problem with that um that 
It's great. I've got a bunch of certifications that are now all probably already expired. It's been five years because now in today's day, certifications only last you like 10 minutes. But um, the, when you study for these exams, even the certifications, the ones by Microsoft, the ones by uh, CompTIA, like the A+, those things are from like 10 years ago. And you got to watch all these jobs. The, you have to use like Internet Explorer because you can't use Chrome because they're all delivered to you by Skillsoft, which is a Java in-browser applet. And Chrome and all that doesn't work. They're like, what is going on? And then like the window is like this much of your screen. Right, because it's... 640 by 480 or 800 by 600. All pre-recorded and you just want to hit next, but the button's grayed out. <laughs> and then you get to the end and then it's like, one day XML will take over HTML's role. And I'm like, no, stop it. And then you realize like, I'm not learning anything. Then you, then you take uh, the next class and you learn, you're like, okay, that clarified that one thing I had that I could have just Googled, but yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, I got a degree after all. And again, if you if you were to take a student out of that environment and just drop them into a workforce, they will probably cry. So in our trade, you also have to want to learn this stuff. And all the stuff that you want to learn, you got to teach yourself and your colleagues. You got to be paired up with smart people who are smarter than you. So they can look at you and go, <laughs> I see what you did there. But no, we don't do it like that. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, oh, that that that's great. That That's good if you're doing like, you know, uh, guess the number between one and ten in three chances app. But, uh, you know. So. But that's what we build in school. Exactly. So um, it's a value proposition. So when the, when the GI Bill pays for everything, hell yeah, it's a great deal. Because I get to go from pile A to pile B because now I have a bachelor's degree. Right. And if it cost me $100,000, I might tell you, you know, um, I already have a job maybe, and why would I just give 100000 away from it? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of ground to cover as a fresh graduate. So it's a bit of a paradox for somebody who's 17, 18-ish, 19, right? Because they're, they don't have OJT. They, they can't get hired very easily. Now, Grant, he has had some success, so that might be very tempting to go, I don't need college. That that may be, but you, but you have to then carry the burden, the stigma of you're always going to be in pile A. You can never go to pile B. It don't matter what you know, you'll never be in pile B. Yeah, but he strikes me as one of those kids who's, I mean, and there's a lot of people out there that don't need a resume to get a job. True, but so if we look at the economy where I live, it's if you want a programming job, you either are in finance or you're right. defense contractors. Both of those are old guard. You have to have X, Y, and Z requirements or you don't even get a call. Right, you got to check the boxes. So if you want to be, I taught myself guy, look what I did and look what I can do, you're going to have to also relocate. Oh, and yeah. Well, I, so I would think that for a lot of kids... You know, there's there's only a small percentage who are growing up in the major metro markets of the United States that are going to stay there. Everyone else has got to go where the work is. Absolutely. Um, but not everyone is built for that. Not everyone is built to cut the cord and leave the nest, you know, and just say, okay, London, here we come. Denver, here we come. You know, when you grow up in a small rural community, a big city is not Kansas anymore. <laughs> so... Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of 
a lot of influence here based on whether or not you know where you come from where you're going what what you can do what you can't do and all this so um yeah it's a decision that you have to live with too because if you make the wrong decision the wrong decision could be going to that uh college and amassing a hundred thousand in debt the wrong decision could also be not going to college and regret so there's there's a bit of trouble either way but wouldn't it be great if there were a third option bob because i was gonna say the one thing we haven't talked about is trade school or yeah or yeah UTI is, I guess, is that technically a trade school? Yes, it is. Um, in fact, when you're when you're transitioning from the military to civilian life, um, they they give you an idea of what your options are as far as benefits, you know, VA benefits and whatnot. And and uh, trade schools and colleges are pushed really hard. And if you if you're interested in trade schools, they're they're totally UTI is right there going. Hey guys, we take GI Bill money. Come on in, <laughs> you know. Right. So this technical training institute, um, UTI, is also a university that you have to pay to go to, right? It is, but it's less expensive and non-traditional. You know, you're not doing a whole lot of algebra here or calculus, unless it's required for your trade. Full disclosure: I don't know what their general ed requirements are, so. But yeah, vocational is definitely something that we should talk about. Well, there's definitely, and there's another option too, because that UTI is still another paid option. There are options where you can get paid to do your training. And I have recently spent some time uh, with the South, you know, in the Southwest and toured a couple of their training. Well, actually just one, but they're all identical there. They have these giant training facilities where they train carpenter apprentices and you get an apprentice rating when you start attending the school and you're actually sponsored by an employer. So you're technically getting paid to get your training and it's certain times of the year. And so, you know, you're working on job sites and then you go in to get this training and it's amazing training and they cover, you know, every aspect of carpentry in these facilities. And so they have them for every one of the trade disciplines. You've got your plumbers and pipe fitters, you've got your electricians and you've got your carpenters and they all have facilities like this. And they're really just designed to, you know, tech these kids up so that they can be more productive in their trade and they get paid to do it. So is the topic of, preps prep school type curriculum in high schools too too hot for for uh, this discussion so you know because some schools have a vocational track but you can self-identify or parents can say hey you know what he's totally into welding can we can we just kind of like you know go down the route of trade or sally over here she's totally going to be a doctor um can we just you know not deal with shop class for her you know the crazy thing was, is when we were younger and probably a little bit, what are we, four years apart? I don't want to make this gap sound too large. Um, seven. Seven eight, years eight. apart. Is it really <laughs> eight years apart? All right. Yeah. It's almost eight years apart. Yes. Darn it. Um, so anyway, uh, VOED programs at the high school level were giant when I was in high school. But, you know, because of funding and because of this huge like push to send kids to college, um, void programs have suffered both financially and from an enrollment standpoint. And uh, I know in our area, we still have vocational education programs, but they have been shrinking and we're struggling as a community to figure out how to bolster that back up because it's needed. Somebody's got to, somebody's got to make this place run. Somebody's got to build this place. Somebody's got to, you know, 
it, we just all can't sit behind our computer screens and magically everything's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what is the single best advice that you've probably amassed over the last few years because you've got, you know, the three kids in various states of college and um, going to college soon? Um, what advice can you lay on us? Well, this is going to be, uh, this can probably go outside the whole educational aspect of it. First and foremost, you got to find a way or learn a way to be happy with where you are. And not everyone is supposed to go to a four-year degree. Not everyone is supposed to go to grad school. Not everyone's supposed to leave their education with $100,000 in debt. There's so many other options out there. And if you can contribute to the world without having to do that, and it could make you happy, you can always go back. It gets harder, but you know, <laughs> you don't you don't have to slot in that track. And I wish that that message was getting taught to kids even younger, because we're really starting to lock kids into this weird, you know, like almost this escalator that they can't get off of, and it just costs more money and it costs more emotional energy. It just it's really rough, and we're not letting them choose. That's interesting because uh, I can tell you, so I I was the, in my immediate family, mom, dad, brother, I was the only one to actually attend college. But for whatever reason, I was put under, I feel, an enormous amount of pressure to go to college. Like there was no, it's just like being married. It's like, you will be married, have children and go to college. Any questions? Okay. No, you were totally in that generation still where it was, you got to go. I mean, like we were on the front end of that. You have to go, you have to go, you have to go. And of course, out of my four siblings, I'm the only one who went. <laughs> so, so I don't know why they weren't pressured to do it either. But well, uh, let me ask you this: stuck with me, <laughs> uh, without putting you on a spot or creating any family strife, do any of them do you think regret not going? Or not they- a single one of them. They are all super successful in their very own rights. Um, every one of my siblings is an amazing individual and they do wonderful things for the world and they don't need a degree to do it. What about you personally? Do you, since you went to college, was it, was your value proposition in the favor of supporting? Yes. College was a good decision. I think college was a great decision for me um, because I decided early on in that experience, how that experience was going to work for me. And I knew enough about myself. I was in, I was self-aware enough at that age to know that regardless of what my degree was going to be in, I was going to find a path that challenged me and kept me going. I can tell you when I got my two-year degree, it took me five years to get, I was happy to have a degree, but it kept, um, you know, kind of like working on my mind that I didn't have a four-year degree. So it took me 12 years to get back to school and finish. And I can tell you, once I did finish, it was a huge weight off my emotional shoulder, so to speak. Um, and you're a finisher. I can totally see that. Like when you when you leave something half done or not finished, it eats at you. I know this about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the the irony is, is I did not need a four-year degree. I To this day, my, like my last X number of jobs, I don't think – a single one of them would have gave a rip if I had a degree or not because I think they saw, oh, this is what you can do. I don't care. <laughs> ABC College of of Basket Weaving? Yeah, sure, we don't care. <laughs> you know, we, can you do it? <laughs> you know, so. 
I choose carefully every day to be in an, a field of employment where nobody lives or dies based on what I do. That is a very intentional choice. <laughs> and it's interesting because, yeah, where I work and hopefully where you work, um, nobody will die if software doesn't make it out the door. But you go Correct. farther towards the Pacific Ocean, um, it seems like it's the opposite. It's like um, people will die if you don't. So it's 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 kind of interesting how nuances in our, and I'm talking about Silicon Valley, which I don't have any love for. Whatsoever. Right. That's a cultural issue that needs to be fixed because just because the owner wants to make a billion dollars and doesn't then, mean foot soldiers, foot soldiers have to be in line for that. Yeah. Um, I was part of a startup, been part of a couple startups with, with stock options and stuff like that. It is just not worth trying to make somebody else rich for, for uh, the amount of, effort that they put in, especially when you're not empowered to um, make decisions where you have to react to somebody else's kind of <laughs> warped view of how things are supposed to work and it just makes it tough. Anyway, okay, I'm really digging in where I shouldn't. But uh, yeah, I think uh, college is a... I don't think we solved anything here, did we? No. Nope. We just kind of... Uh, shared some information, shared yeah. some experiences. There's no, there's no one answer. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So it was a good talk, Bob. Did we, did we miss anything along the way? I don't think so. I think we got along, we got down to trade schools and options. So I think that was last on the list. Yeah. You were like, as long as we don't go 48 or 40 minutes and we're at 48 minutes right now. So (laughs) that is the natural duration of our program. Yes. All right, that's that's when we both get sleepy because we're old and we need to take naps now. So <laughs> yes, the fire is making me sleepy. All right, we don't need fire; we need something else. What do we need, Bob? We need to bring the lightning.